Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. Good to have you here with us today. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Whether this is your first time listening or you've listened to all 200 and at this point, 63 episodes, we really are glad that you're joining us today. We've got a great guest for you. Today, we're going to be hanging out with my friend, Mike Pacchione. And Mike is a uh, speaker coach. He does a lot of work with a lot of names you would probably recognize. But today, we're going to be digging into the art of storytelling. So Mike's got five strategies he's going to give us for telling better stories from stage and also we are going to, uh, you may have seen some of the speech breakdowns that we have done on YouTube. If you haven't, go over to YouTube and uh, search for uh, speech breakdowns or search for the Speaker Lab and you'll be able to find all kinds of stuff from us there. But uh, we do a bit of that with a, uh, a story that Seth Godin told. So uh, we do that a little bit towards the end of the, of the uh, conversation here. So I think you're going to enjoy that. But uh, let's get right into this conversation with uh, Mike Pacquion. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast today. I'm excited to have a repeat guest and one of my good friends, one of my favorite people. Not yes. just favorite people in the speaking industry, but just favorite people. My brother, Mike Pacquion. How are you, bro? Oh, dude, I'm doing great. Great to have you, Grant. Great so, to have you. It's my podcast, apparently. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you thanks, for having me. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me into uh, my own home. Good to hang out with you, my friend. <laughs> uh, so we're going to be talking today about storytelling. You are a guy that does a lot has a lot of experience in the speaking industry, but you also do a lot of coaching on, yeah. with speakers, those that are working on presentations and talks. <clears throat> you have delivered a lot of stories. You have seen a lot of stories, those that have worked, those that haven't worked. Let's start with this. What is it about stories that are so powerful, so effective for speakers to use? Yeah, I mean, there have been all kinds of studies on this. This is why storytelling is such a big buzzword, but there have been all kinds of studies on, you know, they've hooked up people's, they've put the little tape on people's heads and they've, they've measured brain waves. And it's like when people are talking about just regular information, so here's a data point, here's a data point, here's a data point, your brain waves kind of flatline. Not, I don't mean you're dying, but just wow. you, you get data will kill. <laughs> but just your brain gets bored and you start thinking of other things. But yeah. when you hear stories, that's when you get the little blips, the little parts on the EKG that get, I mean, it's not actually an EKG, but that shoot up, that shoot down. Yeah. You start feeling that. If you think about it, a lot of our history comes from story. Yeah. I mean, before there were before there were iPods or before there were iPhones, before there were iPads, before computers, laptops, before typewriters, before pencil and paper, before quill and ink. Like how do we communicate? It was it was through story. And the power of story is tremendous because if I tell a story well, then Grant can tell it. And then whoever Grant tells it to, they pass it on and on and on and on. That doesn't work as well with just regular facts. Yeah, I've noticed um, one of the experiments I do sometimes is my oldest daughter is 13. She started last year going to our, our church's youth group. And so I'd go pick her up after church and I'd be driving back and driving home. And I'd ask her, hey, what did, a, what did the youth pastor talk about tonight? 
uh, I don't, you know, friendship, less than one sentence. And it was just kind of like, well, what was that about? What'd you, what'd you learn? And she's like, I don't really remember, but let me tell you a story he told, you know, and that type of thing. Of, yep. I just heard this talk and I can't really remember much of it, but I could tell you almost verbatim the story. What that they the story told. is. Yeah. Because we just resonate with that. And it could be funny. It could be sad. It could be serious. It could be inspirational. It could be what any number of things. But like as humans, we are just drawn to stories. We, we connect and resonate with stories. So I think one of the challenges for speakers is, okay, I know I need to tell more stories. I know I could use more stories. I don't necessarily know like um, what's, what makes a good story. I don't know necessarily where to pull stories. Should I tell right. like a first person story or a third person story? So any just kind of insights there as I'm thinking through, I know I need to use more stories, but yeah. where do I go from there? Yeah, story from stage is so powerful. So I worked for this company called Duarte for a number of years. I know, I think you've had Nancy on the podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Nancy's the best. She was wonderful. I worked for her for about seven years, flew all over the world. And I would, I would leave these workshops that are eight hours long. Dude, that is a long time to hold someone's attention. Very. I would experiment with these different ways of telling stories. So I know that story works. So I'm like, okay, but so it's one thing to just tell people use story, but it's like, okay, but, but what should you do? And I realized there are about five things that make stories come alive. Okay. You don't need all five, but there are about five things that make them come alive and make them resonate for the audience. Okay. So I can just, do you want me to just roll through those? Can we hear all of them? Well, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Number one, this is going to feel really obvious, but priming the audience, saying to them, I mean, this can be as basic as, hey, I've got a story. Yeah. Because think about it. You can be talking to the most boring person in the world, and the moment they're like, I've got a story, you're like, oh, story? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Right? Yeah. All of a sudden, we turn into your 13-year-old listening to the, what, the youth pastor. No, that's so true. Like, I've noticed that times I've been speaking where I'll be talking about something, and I'll say, let me tell you a story. And you just notice people perk yep, up and totally. people immediately start paying attention and, and whether they were kind of with you, kind of weren't, but they immediately are like, oh, it's a story. And again, like yeah. no idea where this is going. It could be sad. It could be scary. It could be funny. It could be tragic. No idea, but it's a story. So I'm, I'm in for it. Yeah. So, I mean, that can be saying to the audience, like, I've got a story for you. That can be actually the most popular TED talk ever, Sir Ken Robinson. Mm -hmm. One of the first stories he tells, he's like, I heard a great story. I love telling it. I'm like, oh, so it's not just that there's a story coming, but this is, this guy, this guy's really confident this story is good. Yeah. So things like that just do a world to set the audience up to like the story. It's interesting. Just a couple of key words there at the beginning, all yeah. of a sudden, like you said, it just it totally primes the pump, primes the audience. If you're telling a story, uh, let's use like a wedding. I'm your best man. Go back in time, 20 years, however long grandpa has been married. I'm your best man. I'm like, this is my favorite grant story. Like, oh, there's so even, many grand even stories. I'm going like, does he have a favorite grand story? Where is he going with this? I don't know. <laughs> That's interesting. That's so true. Yeah. So priming the audience, I know that sounds so obvious and certain people are probably like, oh, do I really need to do that? Yes. It makes them, it just builds anticipation. Cool. Assuming you have a good story, here are some other things that will help make that story better. Uh, in the book, Made to Stick, you've read that mm -hmm. book. Yep. Yep. There's this awesome example they give of building credibility through details. And they, you know, so you know how these things work. Group A, group B. Group A hears that the kid brushed his teeth. Group B hears the kid brushed his teeth using a Darth Vader toothbrush. Everybody loves group B. Or everybody loves the Darth Vader example. Yeah. Same thing will be true in stories. Adding like one or two vivid details helps to drop the audience into the scene. 
Hmm. So I was leading a workshop a couple months ago. <clears throat> there was this guy there, Demetrius, who's telling a story. He was talking about being in college and he's going to go to get buffalo wings. So it's a good story. I won't go through it. But the vivid detail he ended up using is he said, I've got quarters in my pocket. My, my pocket is filled with quarters because buffalo wings are a quarter each. So you, like, you see that detail. Mm -hmm. And that detail just lands with you. It puts you in the scene. I'm curious on that though, yeah. that when you're adding vivid details, there's a point where like it becomes effective and yeah, a point where it's like much. way like, yeah. okay, so I was going to get Buffalo wings with my friend, Sean. Let me tell you about Sean. So we yeah. grew up together. Sean was the funniest. He used yeah. to do this one thing. And I think we went, it was on a Tuesday. Cause I think that, or was it Wednesday? Yeah. Maybe yeah, cause they closed early on. It's like all these, all these details yeah. were like, don't move this ball forward in the totally. story at all. So how do you find that balance? Yeah. It needs to be one or two vivid details. Okay. By the way, what you're stumbling on right there happens to a lot of people telling a story is when they haven't thought through what the story should be. Yeah. And what happens to them there is they're actually thinking through the story in the moment. There's yes. nothing that can go wrong for them because they're re-experiencing this. So they've gone through the story once. It's already a good story. There's no amount of extra detail that's going to ruin the story. <laughs> right, so it's right. actually kind of fun for them to be like, oh, and I was wearing Argyle socks. <laughs> And the lemonade was really good, right? Like it's kind of fun for them to remember it. But right. as a person listening to the story, you're like, okay, Argyle socks, that's going to matter. That's going to matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter, does it? Right. <laughs> I have no idea where this is going. I have no idea why that matters. So just a couple of details there, just yeah, to kind of like almost put some anchor points in people's minds. Yeah. Like my buddy, Mark Megna had a book that just came out and he was talking about being back in high. So Mark eventually made the NFL. He was talking about being back in high school and he decided he was going to run every day. He grew up in Massachusetts. It's really cold out. Very first day he's going to do this, five in the morning. He talks about going outside and just pulling the sleeves over his hands because he didn't have any gloves. So you, you see that scene and you mm -hmm. feel how cold he is. It's just one or two little details like that. Yeah. But at the same time, like adding the right details makes the story more powerful. Yeah. Because if you just said he used to get up and run outside and that's the extent of our knowledge right. on it, and his hands were a little cold, it's like a lot of people are cold in the morning. But if it's like, you know, he grew up in this part of the country or this part of the world and geographically we all understand it's cold, then it's like, oh, wow, that up, you know, that ups the game that he was doing that in the winter of Massachusetts versus, you know, the winter of, of South Florida, you know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I could do this all day because I just started, once I realized this, I started collecting these little details. Rachel Rogers, I don't know if she's actually used this in a speech or if this is on deck. So Rachel, hopefully I'm not spoiling this. But at one point, she's like going through Target. She's getting the little dings on her phone when her course is selling. And she's reaching for milk. Like she's opening up the little, I don't know, what's that thing called? She's opening up the door to get yeah. the milk and her husband's like, we're having problems. So you can see that scene. And that's yeah, way yeah. more powerful than just, my husband said we were having problems. Yeah, yeah. Rachel's life is great now. She gets along great with her husband. I feel weird about sharing this. <laughs> Crisis averted. Yeah, but like that, that detail, you can see that. That's, that's way more powerful. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but what doesn't matter is like, I realized the milk was expired and it was totally. 2% and yeah. they didn't have the brand that I want. Like right. none of that moves the story yeah. forward. Yeah, so one or two vivid details is what you're looking for. All right, so prime the pump, add vivid details. What's number three? Yeah, number three is the one that will appear the least frequently, but is worth doing if you can. And that's sometimes you have, okay, so you can't have too many characters in the story. There can be two characters with names. That's basically it. This one is to describe one of those characters in a sentence. So all of us 
We're all very special. We all are multifaceted, et cetera, et cetera. But for the purpose of stories, if there's a character in the story, we just need one sentence description about one trait. So as an example, if I had a story involving my friend Sarah, I was thinking about this the other day. If I had a story about my friend Sarah, I would say Sarah is the type of person who eats quinoa as her cheat meal. And it's like, (laughs) boom, immediately you know that person. Okay. My friend's dad, I would say his name in real life, but my friend's dad had a framed picture of Ronald Reagan. It's like, boom, you know that person. Yeah. My friend Doug fulfills every New Jersey stereotype. Boom, you know that person. (laughs) Now, the key is that if you're going to do that, that description needs to either inform the character in the story or it needs to be used ironically. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're giving that detail, but it doesn't have any, it doesn't change anything about the story that you know that or you didn't know that, then it doesn't make a difference and it shouldn't be used. It doesn't matter, right? Okay. Okay. So one line description of a a character or or a main character? Of a character. Yeah. Okay. Well, it should be a character that matters in the story. Right, right. Grant Baldwin is a type of person who actually finishes courses. Grant Baldwin's the type of person that gives you a hug after he hasn't seen you in three years. I was wondering where this was going to go. So. <laughs> Just keep giving Grant examples. <laughs> we Grant better Baldwin get off is the type of person that, that texts me every month that I need to move to Nashville. <laughs> that I do. All right. So pride the pump, add vivid details, one line description of one of the main characters. What's number four? Yeah, this is the biggest one. And this is uh, create tension and release it. This is every single story. Every single scene of a movie should either be creating tension or releasing it. That is also true in stories that you're telling. You yeah. can also think of this one as finding your inner comedian. Because with that, I mean, if you think of it, you and I both love watching comedy. Comedy is creating enough tension that a punchline will release the tension. So when you are telling a story, the audience should have a feeling of, wait, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? That doesn't mean that they're <laughs> like nervous that Michael Myers is going to barge in and kill you. Right? Like that's not the right. type of tension necessarily. There should be this feeling of, whoa, wait, what next? What next? What next? The tricky balance here is it's really easy to make the tension go on too long. And there's not a prescribed no longer than 30 seconds, no longer than 45 seconds. But there should be tension that's caused and then releasing the tension. So what does it look like to build that tension? So if I have a story about, I was trying to think of an example. All right, so I tell a story about taking my family to Disney World and the girls dressing up like little princesses and they are or walking around and, and by the, the, the point of the story by the end of it is one of my girls thinks that she's been transformed into a princess. Um, <laughs> and so, so in something like that, or I don't know, maybe an example you've got that that's probably that you, you know the details of better will be an example of like, here's how the tension is built. Yeah, totally. So your instinct is correct there that you, you actually want to work backwards from the punchline or from the release Yeah. to figure out what the tension is. So like, the Sir Ken Robinson talk is one that I've dissected a fair bit. Let me see if I can do this part. He's British, so it sounds better than when I'm doing it. But <laughs> he tells this one story. He's like, this little girl was in the drawing lesson. She was six. She was in the back drawing. And the teacher said this little girl hardly ever paid attention. And in this drawing lesson, okay, wait she a second, did. Wait a second. Yeah. All right. I haven't seen his talk in a while. It's been a minute. Yeah. And I think I know where the story is going. Yeah. Just again, speak, all that to say, like speaking to the power of story and remember how this plays out. Go ahead. I think I know, but I want to, I want to hear. Yeah. Okay. So he's like in this drawing lesson, she paid attention and the teacher was fascinated. So we're building tension, building tension. Why was the teacher fascinated? She went over and she said, what are you drawing? Wait, why is she asking what she's drawing? And the girl said, I'm drawing a picture of God. Uh 
And the teacher said, now we're really building the tension, but nobody knows what God looks like. And now we're going to release the tension. And the girl said, they will in a minute. Yep. Boom. Tension, yeah, yeah. release. But like a lot of people would tell that story. Oh, you know, I heard this six-year-old and she was drawing a picture and she decided to draw a picture of God. Isn't that funny? Because nobody knows what God looks like. Right, right. It's already gone. Yeah. So, okay. So like in that case, that's a quick story he tells. It takes, you know, 15, 20 seconds to tell perhaps. But if we take like, let's go back to the example of like a comedian who does like a, a 10 minute story that maybe takes some rabbit trails in there. So is it just a matter of you're not telling a, a nine minute, 30 second story only to release the tension right at the end. Right. It's yeah. kind of build, release, build, release, build, build just release. wash, yeah. winch, re- repeat over and over yep. and over. Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah. It should feel like you're going left, you're going right, you're going left, you're going right, you're going left, you're going right. And it's not necessarily, again, don't get out the stopwatch 30 seconds left, 30 seconds right, but it needs to not be nine minutes of build up for 10 seconds of payoff. So one of the things that, that we talk with speakers about a lot of times is when you're working on a, a talk, a concept, a story, an idea, or anything, it's all kind of an educated guess until you get in front of an audience. Yeah. I think this works. I think this is funny. I think this will resonate. I think this will make sense, but I don't really know until I get in front of an audience. So it's one thing to be staring at a screen, typing out words and thinking through a story of what the tension release, tension release yeah. looks like. It's another thing when you're in front of a live audience. So is there any way to determine while you're working on this is like, I think this, I built enough tension to make this work, but I don't know until I get in front of that audience. Is there any way to, to set yourself up for success in that way? Yeah. I mean, the more you do it, the better you'll get at that, but that's yeah. not that helpful full an answer. The, the biggest tip I would give you there is do it out loud instead of writing it or sorry, you can write it, but do it out loud too. When you do it out loud, that's when you'll start being like, Oh, this goes on for a while. Doesn't it? Oh, I yeah. can cut this detail. I can cut that detail. Yeah. I can cut that detail. It could also be something that seems like you could just even run by, uh, you know, a spouse, significant other, you know, friend or something of telling the story that way. I've heard some speakers say they'll be working on a story, working on an idea, and maybe they don't feel like it's quite ready for them to deliver on stage. But what they will do is they're catching up with a friend or they're at some yeah. networking thing or they're, you know, just got introduced to someone and they'll look for ways to just kind of insert it. it may not be, I'm not going to tell them now the whole 10 minute story, but I've got this one minute segment. I'm just going to, I'm not going to kind of float out there. Yeah, it's the same yeah. type of way I'd tell it from stage, but I'm just going to verbalize it and see if, and just kind of watch people's reaction. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And that actually makes me think, so I get nervous when people tell me stories at cocktail parties and stuff. I have trouble paying attention and I get nervous that they've got a, what they think is a really funny punchline and I'm not going to get it. <laughs> and one of, the, one of the things I've noticed is I'll do a lot of, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I think if you get to my second, uh-huh, <laughs> and we're not at the punchline yet, that, that story needs to be shorter. <laughs> <laughs> or streamlined. What should you be looking for in those situations? So you've, uh, you have the, the uh-huh from from someone perhaps yeah but is there any is like is there any way to just even just kind of reading body language of like oh this is working or like eh, i'm self-aware enough to realize this isn't working yeah i think someone smiling back at you is listen it's hard to read a good smile versus a fake smile but someone right. smiling at you is is good but if someone's like taking a drink looking around the room like those are things that are telling you mm, something about this isn't as good as it could be yeah the other thing, our buddy Josh Ship, you know, and I hadn't thought about this till now, but like Josh actually, before his TED Talks and such, he sends his stories out to friends and says, here's an anonymous survey, what worked, what didn't work, yeah. what, 
what should I know about this that you wouldn't tell me in real life? Yeah. Josh takes his craft really seriously, but yeah, man, learn from that. Yeah. All right. So we've got prime the pump, add vivid details, one line description of main character, create tension and release it. And then what's the last one? Yeah. The last one is summarize the clear lesson. That is not going to be necessary every single time. I tell this story of my friend, Doug, Doug, who fulfills every New Jersey stereotype. He's actually not Italian, but other than that, <laughs> every New Jersey stereotype. I tell this story of when his, uh, his first daughter was born, never did the, the test run to go to the hospital. His wife wakes him up in the middle of the night, like, Doug, Doug, it's time to go. It's time to go. Rolls over, goes back to bed. No, no, we got to go. We got to go. But he you know, shakes off the sleep, goes out to the car, puts the, puts the seat down. Sabrina's in the back and she's like on all fours, or not on all fours, but she's able to lay down instead of being propped up in the seat, wailing. Doug's driving to the hospital. And Grant, where are you supposed to drive when your wife is going to give birth? Like what part of the hospital are you supposed to drive to? Uh, I know it's been a while for you. <laughs> it's been a minute. Either the emergency room or... Maternity the... ward, right? Okay. Oh, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say either... Emer- Do they have a maternity entrance though? I would assume it, the entrance is you have your main entrance and your emergency yeah. room entrance. We've just killed the whole punchline of this. <laughs> I ruined <laughs> Ironically. It yeah. Where are you supposed to drive? Say <clears throat> most places you will drive to the maternity ward or you'll drive to the emergency room. Where did Doug drive to? <laughs> Deliveries. <laughs> <laughs> so he's seeing, he's seeing like medical trucks. He's seeing medical equipment. I don't really need to give a lesson there. I mean, yeah. I can spin that into a lesson. I can... Yeah. The lesson there can be, this is what happens when you're thinking like yourself instead of your audience. But sometimes it's real obvious. You don't need to say it. Other times though, like, and I would say 90% of the time at least, declare what the lesson is that was learned. Yeah. Sir Ken Robinson, again, I'll just reference that. It's the most popular TED Talk. He tells the one story I said before. He tells another story right after it. He's like, now what's interesting is when kids don't know, they'll have a go. So he rounds that into, here's the lesson that you should learn. Yeah. And we would do wise to do the same. Like declare what the lesson learned is. Okay. So when you're putting together what, what that lesson is, any rules around that? Meaning like I've heard people say like, it should be something that, that that's the type of thing. The line that you deliver there is the type of thing people are going to write down. Yeah. It's the type of thing that people may tweet. It's just kind of short, punchy, uh, to the point, uh, memorable. Yeah. And that's some of what, what's inside uh, Made to Stick by Chip and Dan yeah. Heath, which is a great book we can put in the show notes. But basically just kind of uh, things, because what's, what's, it makes an acronym that they have. With, oh, it's uh, success. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. With one S. Yes. Okay. I vaguely yeah. remember it. But I thought, one of them, I thought one of them was memorable. I'm butchering it. We're getting off track here. My bad. My bad. <laughs> I'm going to regroup. Well, here. no, no. You know what it is? Well, right. Because to make an acronym, you have to take some creative liberty so that the acronym is memorable. Yeah. But I think what you're thinking of is they use concrete instead of memorable. Yes. That's what I'm concrete thinking. Concrete makes yeah. it memorable. Yeah. Right, 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 right. So any type of rules around that to make sure that people are on track on this is punchy and to the point? Yeah, totally. Um, make it short. So not that you need to turn everything into a slide, but it's like whatever that should be, you should be able to put that on a slide in like size 36 font and people can read it quickly. Yeah. So it should be short. I'd say 10 words or less. Yeah. Another great example of that. So the, the Seth Godin, oh yeah. Seth Godin gave this great talk that I saw at Craft and Commerce 2017, 18, somewhere in there. And he ends it and he's like, 
tells the story of being on a plane and he's well, hang on he, let's just play let's play the story can we do that you want to do that let's do it all right so what we're going to do here is uh we're going to play this quick story this came from we'll set it up what it is yeah craft and commerce annual conference that happens in boise notice the pronunciation it's not boise boise idaho <laughs> nathan will be proud yeah convert kids annual conference first year they had it seth godin was the closing keynote talk is about 45 minutes long the ending to it is two minutes, 15. It's a, it's a story to end his speech and then to end the entire conference. So roll it, roll it. So here's the challenge, the challenge that we have to understand. And the last story I'll tell you, there used to be a flight from uh, White Plains to Boston and I had an office there. So if I drove, I'd get stuck in traffic and I'd curse the whole time thinking that I should have flown. And so one day I flew. There was no TSA at the time. Breezed through. I get to Boston in 29 minutes. It was a big win. On the way back, there was fog, which for some reason is unexpected. And they circled the White Plains Airport till we ran out of gas, also unexpected. Made an emergency landing in Albany, New York. Pilot comes on and says, it's 10 o'clock at night. We're in Albany, New York. Yeah, I knew that. We're going to be on the ground for two hours, maybe three. But I think I can get you back to White Plains by 1 a.m. I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I open my laptop. I do a quick search. I have a little modem, which was a pioneering at the time. And Avis has one car left. They close in five minutes. I book the car, four-door, four-seat car, pay for it, close my laptop, stand up, turn to the audience. The, everyone's an audience. Turn to the, <laughs> the passengers on the plane. Say, ladies and gentlemen, I am not a psychopath. I am wearing a tie. <laughs> my car is in White Plains. I think yours is too. It's an hour hour and 20 minute drive. I just rented a car, I got three empty seats. Who wants a free ride home? No one raised their hand. As far as I know, they're still in Albany. <laughs> and I had the whole ride home to think about what had just happened. I was in my tie. And then I realized what it was. If you stay on the plane, it's United Airlines' fault. If you get off the plane, it's your fault. And it wasn't worth it for the story in their head for them to get off the plane. So this is the challenge. The challenge for these leaders in this room. Are you going to be able to encourage other people to get off the plane? But in order to do that, are you willing to get off the plane, to own this, to say, I made this? There is no doubt in my mind that you're going to be successful. You're already successful. As my friend Shalene says, that's not the question. The question is, will you choose to matter? I think you will. Thank you for your attention. Stand up for your Get up, stand up. All right, so we're back. Seth Godin's speech, or his story. Quick story, minute and a half, two minutes. What is it about that story that really resonated and clicked for you? Man, I love so much about that. First of all, I love the lesson. One thing that's great about that is the lesson is not totally obvious. Like it's a good story, uh-huh. but you're actually, you get to jump into Seth's head and he's like, I realized what it was. If you stay on the plane, it's United Airlines fault. If you get off the plane, it's your fault. Yeah. And it wasn't worth it. The story in there had to get off the plane. And that's like, oh. Yeah, I agree. Like when he tells a story, good story, but I don't know where's he going with this yeah. now. How's he put a bow on this? Dude, that's tension right there where he's, because the whole time you're like, okay, he's driving home. 
okay, but why is he talking about this? Why is he talking about this? And he yeah. lets you know, he's about to tell you. I realized what it was. Like, Seth, tell me what it was. <laughs> Genius marketing, man. Tell me what it was to end this entire conference. So he summarized the clear lesson really well. Talked about how he created tension and released it. I feel like he's building for most of that talk. He's like, I got three empty seats. Who wants a free ride home? No one raised their hand. What? Why did no one raise their hand? As far as I know, they're still in Albany. So that, that's a little bit of release right there. You can tell because yeah. the audience laughs. Audience yeah. laugh to relieve tension. And then when he drops you into his mind to talk about driving home, he's like, was it my tie's fault? Like he's building tension, building tension. He releases it when he gives you the lesson learned. And the lesson actually should be a release of tension. What are the, the vivid details you remember? Yeah, vivid details. So four-door, four-car seat. Yep. He's in the, he pulls out his laptop, which was like revolutionary at the time. But when he said the four-door, four-seat car, like I wondered, like you don't mention that just for the heck of it. So why right. did he mention that? And then yeah. it came into later that he was offering other seats. So yeah, that's the type of detail that without the later part, it's irrelevant. There's no need to mention. It totally. was a Toyota Corolla. It was yeah. Uh, yeah. A 2005. Like none of that's relevant um, yep. unless it comes back into play later. Yep, totally. Yeah, if he had rented a Highlander that had more seats, yeah. he was like, I rented a Highlander. I figured everybody would want, everybody wouldn't want to ride. Nobody right. wanted to ride. Like then it matters. But otherwise it doesn't matter what kind of car it is. Even yeah. just mentioning something like a single word, like it was a United flight, an Avis rental car, those type of like little, just kind of one, like literally one word pieces makes it feel a little bit more. Re I mean, he could have just said I was, I was renting a car, but it makes it feel, I don't know, some, something about it brings it more. No, you're, you're dropped into the scene. That's exactly what it is. If it were a movie, we would see Seth typing in Avis.com. We would see Avis come up. We would see him, you know, plugging in where it is and all that stuff. It would, the screen would scroll to the top and it's 9.55. He's got five minutes before they close. Yeah. It would show all that stuff. That's what he's doing out loud. Yeah. It's yeah. just giving you all that. Yeah. I missed it at the beginning. Did he say, did he do anything to prime the pump? Yeah, he's like, the last three I'll tell you. There used to be a okay. flight from White Plains to Boston. Got it. Got it. Yeah. 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 The one thing he didn't do is describe the character in the sentence. He doesn't really need to. He's yeah. basically the only character in the story. Yeah. I guess you could argue he, he did by saying that he's like wearing a tie and he's a businessman. He yeah. didn't really need to do that. Yeah. Because you're already familiar with him. And if he's the main yeah. guy, then... And he's telling the story at the end of this, whereas if he had told it at the beginning of his talk, he may have had to add some more of those details for him. Yes. But at this point in the talk, the audience has had 45 minutes to connect with him. That makes it a little bit simpler than to, for him to say this at the end. Yeah, and that's, that's a great point. I was working with Laura Belgray on a talk recently, and she tells this awesome story from when she was in middle school. But it's just a long story. Yeah. It's long, and it feels long. You have more... You more margin to tell a story that's long at the end versus the beginning. Because at the beginning, people are like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Where's he going with this? Where's she going with this? At the end, presumably, they already like you. So a longer story is way more forgivable. And if they don't, yes. if they don't like it, it's probably not the story's fault. It's they just didn't like you at that point. <laughs> or, or you're over the time limit already. Like that's, right. that's probably the problem. There's a, a buddy of mine who tells hilarious stories. And the first time you hear him tell a story... If he wins you with that story, then it's like, tell me another one. Keep going. Keep, yeah. and it's, you're almost kind of like, as long as they're each good, then yeah. there's no limit to how long the story can be uh -huh. or what the story is about. Just, I got another one for you. I got another one. Great. Keep yeah. going. Ooh, give me more. Yeah, because you've yeah. earned my trust already from the previous stories. So that I don't need to learn anything today. Like, just give me more stories. That's how it feels. So, like, in that case, is, like, your first story your most important story? No, I think the, the most important thing is to get the 
I don't think the first story is the most important story. I think that what you do when you get on stage earns the audience's trust so that they like you. Yeah. I would argue the last story, like if you're going to end with a story, that should be your best story. Interesting. But I mean, frankly, it depends. It depends yeah. on the talk. Yeah. Well, listen, I know we have a uh, plenty more direction that we could go with this, but uh, I want to be respectful of time and uh, we need to have you back anyway. So uh, yeah, if people buddy. want to find out more about you and where you're at, what you're up to, I know that you do a lot of speaker coaching. Where can people find you? Yeah. So go to miketalks.co. I used to use my own name. Grant, there's a problem with that. We've talked a lot about this. Yeah. With a variety Nobody of Nobody can spell my last name. Yeah. Nobody can spell my last name. I have, I, t- I have a hard, hard time spelling yeah. it. I don't, I mix up the, the H, the I, the, uh, tell for people who are like, wait, what's his name again? Yeah. Mike Pacchione. Pacchione. Pacchione if you want to sound Italian. Anyway. It sounds great. I just don't know. You mix up all the letters. So in that case, um, <laughs> yeah. using something different than, yeah, than your so last name. MikeTalks.co. C-O. And Grant, I just decided something. Oh boy. You ready? I'm, I think so. I'll tell you in a uh, second. I will critique the Sir Ken Robinson talk and we'll put a special link for Speaker Lab listeners. Awesome. So let's do miketalks.co. What do you want the slash to be? Grant, Speaker Lab? Slash Ken. Okay. Miketalks.co slash Ken. Let's do yeah, that. Let's do it. Awesome. Cool, Love man. It. Look forward to seeing it. Thanks, bud. Grant, you're awesome. Thank you. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mike Pacquion. Again, if you uh, want to check out more of Mike and what he's up to, make sure you check out his site, miketalks.com. And then also make sure if you want to check out the entirety of the Seth Godin talk where we pulled that little clip from the, the end of his presentation, we'll include that link in the show notes below as well. So make sure that you uh, you check that out. Hey, if you want to work with us, if you want us to help you to build and grow your speaking business, then all you need to do is go over to thespeakerlab.com slash apply. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash apply. There you can download a, uh, or you could, rather you can uh, schedule a complimentary free call with our team just to talk you through uh, your business, what it is that you're looking for, and how it is that we can best help you. So again, stop by, check that out over at thespeakerlab.com slash apply, thespeakerlab.com slash apply. And uh, that wraps up today's episode, boys and girls. Catch you next time. You're awesome. <laughs>